0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight, we are in a battle, and I think you know that. And I think it's going to get more difficult that we see the day approaching. I want so badly to finish my course and do it right. I want you to pray for me in that regard. I don't want to stumble on the pathway of duty and responsibility. I want to be able to please the Lord with my life, and I want you to. You're going to have to work at it, and have to determine to do this, because so much is against you we're seeing the battle, we call it the battle, it's the world. You are so odd compared to this world. I mean, you're just weird. A Christian, uh, think it not strange, God says, but it, it is strange. The world must look at you as, as I look at I've never seen, I don't know if Star Wars are good or bad, but you, you, people that live in the future, I think it's all futuristic, I'm not sure, Star Wars, uh, that doesn't have an interest in me, and the world must think you guys are living in 1851. You guys are weird, and you go to church, and a guy yells at you, and you pay him to do that, and you have to give more money to get out of that place? You're You're nuts. Tomorrow, they'll say, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Went to church. What does that mean? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. What'd you do? Got loaded, got drunk, got high. You're strange. You're weird. The world, and I I, I know it's probably like this for you. The world doesn't really lure me. I, I don't want the world. It gets me mad. Because the world is taking all joy out of your life. Uh, My life is dedicated to bring joy to people. But the world just sucks it right out of us. So we looked at the world, then we looked at the flesh. Oh boy, we all battle that, don't we? Now I know how bad you are, but the truth is, I know God's people are so, so amazing. Some of you are great prayer warriors. You live sacrificially. You're great soul winners. You're great people. You're hard workers. I guess it's weird with me. God says, Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The flesh is real. And today it's very obvious the, the, one, the world, the flesh, and tonight's the devil. Before I get to the devil we'll read a scripture and we'll look at some things tonight. Sometimes we want to say it's the world and it's the flesh, and it's the devil. This is not my message, but I feel compelled to add sometimes it's not the world and sometimes it's not the flesh and sometimes it's not the devil. Sometimes it's biological. You can read in First Peter 3 that God calls the wife the weaker vessel. Now, they're not going to promote that on CNN this week. It doesn't mean you're inferior. And I don't believe that it's 50-50. I believe a woman is far superior than a man. I believe she ought to be treated that way. I want to just be a very very uh, careful as possible as i say this certainly appropriate we all know that there's biological changes for a lady all the time physically every month i say that i hope i'm very appropriate in that you know ladies you give birth to a baby and there's biological changes And sometimes it strips your body, your physical body of the strength that you need. And I don't understand medicine. I don't understand supplements. And I don't have any idea about all that stuff. But I think as men, we don't need to look at ladies that they're inferior at all. But they do go through biological changes. And I think men do as well. And the day we live in, it just seems like men, I can't believe I'm saying this, go through mood swings. Boys, get over it. I mean, come on, let's grow up. But sometimes you might be spiritual, and it's not the world, and it's not the flesh, it's not the devil, but it might be that you're imbalanced. And I don't know how to help you with that. I'm not trying to open a business for my wife because that's the last thing we need, but we won't order you supplements or anything. But she has helped so many pastor's wives after the first baby, or second birth baby, or third, or fourth, or 55th baby, or whatever it is. She's helped pastor's wife that they are under heavy stress and heavy load and get balanced. And she throws terms around to these ladies and I just walk out because it just, it confuses me. I get weary when I hear of a good, good Christian lady. And she's under the bondage of some medical, biological imbalance. And she wants to be a good Christian, and she is a good Christian, but this makes her feel like all of this is out of order. I hope, man, that we're patient with people. I've never told my wife, but I have had some ladies tell me off that I think it's probably good therapy for them right now. And later in life, they've just been so perfect. I think we ought to be patient with people. It may not be these three sources. We're looking at, and there's physical, and there's, Emotional, and you can go on and on. But we're in 1 Peter 5, and we'll read as you remain seated. You've been seat, seated the entire time. You probably like that. I see kids sleeping already. I see men sleeping already. Uh, man, you, you say, I can't sleep at night. Come to church. I'll put you to sleep real fast. I, I can do that. Uh, can we remain seated? Are you okay? Is there anybody that needs to stand? You need to stretch? We okay? I see that hand way back there. I see that boy's probably in second grade. He probably does need to stand and stretch. Let's read verse eight together. Ready as we're seated? Be sober, be vigilant. The devil, mind, the sober has nothing to do with alcohol. Sober is to be very serious. The devil's real. We have to be very serious about knowing our enemy. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Vigilance, be watchful, be alert, keep your eyes open. Be sober, be vigilant. This this ought to be a, a daily, daily concept that you battle the old devil. Brother Roloff was saying, once again, I faced Satan this morning and I battled him all the day long, but in my weakness, God sent reinforcements. Thank God for reinforcements. By the Holy Spirit, by God Almighty, by the Word of God, by a song, His strength is perfect, as Vanessa just sang. By a godly saint of God, a lady, a man, by a friend that shares a scripture with you. And here, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you tonight. I want you to turn, if you will, because he's a real foe to 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. And I want you to get these scriptures, and then I'll speak to us for a couple of hours, and we'll be on our way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, there's this man in the church that apparently, in, cha- in 1 Corinthians, he had, had, had done something wrong at the church. And uh, God says, You ought to forgive him, verse 7. Comfort him, lest one should be swallowed up with so much sorrow. And then he said, if you don't forgive him, watch out. Verse 11, lest Satan should get the advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. Some folks are harboring such bitterness toward a mother, a father, a mother-in-law, a father-in-law, a relative, a pastor, a church, a school, a college, Fundamentalism. You're so absorbed with bitterness, Satan is getting the advantage. This this church was not going to forgive this guy who had done wrong, and he brought it to their attention. and brought it to, and he had done wrong. Yes, but God says you're going to learn to forgive him. The Bible says. To whom, verse 10, I forgive anything I forgive also. If I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, I forgave it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get the advantage. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter chapter 4. Don't give Satan the advantage this week. Don't give them the opportunity because you're angry at your mate. You're angry at your husband. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. One of the things we have tried to do, and I'm not the greatest prayer warrior at the end of the day because unfortunately once in a while I fall asleep while I'm praying with my wife. But nonetheless, the last thing at the end of the day is not who won the argument. Men, do you ever win? You, I set you up, you said, I've never argued. None of us have ever argued with our wives. All God's men said. But men, many a men have lost an argument. Amen. Many la- ladies, you can say amen. Okay, I wave your hand, I wave my hand. Many a ladies have lost an argument. <laughs> we think this is bad, wait till next week it's city versus country. It's really gonna get bad. You're going to have to forgive one another. Last thing to do is we pray at night together. It's very difficult. We're praying for our children, we're praying for our grandchildren, we're praying for these needs, we're praying for our church, praying for America, whatever it might be. And then, in Jesus' name, amen. And I want to tell you this, Cindy, by the way, also. I I tell you what, you can't do it, it doesn't work. Prayer, prayer can change a lot of things. Lest Satan should get the advantage. I don't want to go to bed mad or upset or I lost. or We don't don't live that way. I don't want to live that way. I have fewer days left to live than I've lived already. I understand that. God's Word says in Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 27, I'd like you to read it with me. Ready? Begin. Neither give place to the devil. That is, don't give the devil any ground. Don't surrender anything to him. Don't give in to him. Notice, if you will, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at verse 11. Brother Cooper's been preaching on this, and if you have not been here on Wednesday night, you're missing out. I hope you'll be here this Wednesday. Chapter 6, verse 11. Ready? Begin. Put on the whole armor of God. The wiles of the devil. What is the wiles? It's the cunning ways. He's cunning. He's cunning. He's going to watch for where you're weak. I've said this before in our church. I've never confessed secret sins aloud. I was in psychology class and the professor said something about the devil cannot read our thoughts. And it registered with me about years ago. He's passed away now. Years ago, I called him. I said, now, remember you said that? I have not confessed public, my private sins aloud." I'm, I'm talking about fear. I'm talking about anxiety. I'm talking about hurts. Or I've been so wounded, so sad about this situation. And, and if God does, if, if God knows, but if the devil does, I'm not going to tell him where I'm weak. Now, maybe you do, but I I don't, I don't, I don't. God knows my thoughts. God knows my down sittings, my uprisings. Psalm 139, he knows everything, but I can pray. And a lot of times I pray silently. They say, now, Lord, I'm going to you silently because I don't want the enemy to know. Brother Bertram, you muse on that. You correct me if I'm wrong. And if you can't get it, Mrs. Oxen, I'm sure she can help me with that. Or your husband, maybe, I'm not sure got enough preachers around you can. So I've never done it. I don't, it's sort of like it. I've given you, uh, I got in the boxing ring. 1960, 66, I think it was. In high school. Coach Clausen said, okay, now, y- y- you guard yourself. And you jab, and you jab. And you've heard me say, well, you jab with that leather. You always turn your wrist so that when you hit the skin, you tear it so it bleeds, so it blinds the guy in that eye. <laughs> kind of vicious, isn't it? And then he says, you jab, and then you, and then you throw a solid punch. Just keep jabbing. I was boxing DeWarty. I was a freshman. He was a senior. Just the very name DeWarty. He's not a white boy, a Caucasian. This is white. Why the coach said, Cheaper, you and DeWarty getting the man, I had this guy. I don't care what name. I mean, he was about like this. But I was five foot two also in ninth grade. And DeWarty came at me. And I'm telling you something DeWarty cleaned my clock. Man, he just jab, jab, jab. I went down and I could hear Clausen. Clausen, he didn't have a neck. He just had a ball that sat on top of his shoulders. (laughs) That guy, I don't know if he's alive. Maybe he's listening right now. I don't know. Just Chamber, get up! And I got up. and Man, I went back down again. By the way, I eventually became a senior, and I chose a freshman. You said, that's mean. No, it's payback to what it's all about right there. (laughs) And I didn't choose a Duarte or a Lopez or Hernandez, any of those names. I chose some little scrawny white guy. (laughs) Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, the wiles of the devil. I don't want to tell my enemy where I'm weak, Please don't hit me here. Please, please. I just, I had a, a root canal over here. Don't hit me on my right side. Why am I going to tell my enemy where I'm weak? So that's why I'm not out loud told secret sins the Bible calls about. Turn with me, if you will, to a second, first, first Timothy 3. And first Timothy is the passage to a preacher. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, your qualification. Moreover, verse 7, he must have a good report of them with our out, lest he fall into reproach and snare of the devil. 2 Timothy chapter 2, would you turn there today? You're listening well. Let's read verse number 26 together because he sets snares for us. Verse 26, ready, begin. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. See, he's talking to a young preacher, a young man, Timothy, his son of the faith, and he said, verse 22, hey, Timothy, flee you for lust. You avoid these unlearned, these questions and avoid unknowing. Gender strife and, and watch out. Why? Because they're a snare. They're a snare. They capture you. Snares capture. Notice, if you will, James chapter four, please. I won't have you turn much more, I don't believe. Hebrews and then James in chapter 4. And thank you for turning. Verse number seven, as we speak about Satan himself, the word Satan means hater. We talk about, yes, once again, I met Satan this morning. I met the hater. He hates you. He hates you, high school kids. He hates you, young couples. He hates you, college kids. He hates the senior set. He is a hater. He hates. Don't hang around people that hate. Don't try to hang around the devil. He's a hater. The word Satan also means not only hater, he's enemy. There are other names in the Bible. He's called the devil. He's called the adversary. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called Abaddon. He's called Apollodon. He's called the god of this age, Beelzebub. He's called dragon. He is called serpent, the evil one, the murderer, the enemy. And in chapter number four and verse number seven, the Bible says this, four, seven, ready, begin. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Many, many years ago I heard a preacher said, submit yourselves, many submit themselves to the devil and they resist God. They submit to the devil and they resist God. Don't resist God. Whenever God's speaking to your heart, always say yes. Are you aware you have an enemy? You have an adversary. He wants to get you all out. I think of all the universities and colleges in our state. You think the devil's gonna wanna go there and get them out of the ministry. They're not even in the ministry. He wants to get you out before you get in. And now tonight, he wants to get that man and that dear lady out as they get going. And then he wants to get their dad and mom out, the man of God back there, that prayed. praying, what a joy to hear. He wants to, get, he wants to get me out. He wants to ruin your home. He wants to ruin your kids. That's why mothers and, I, and dads, and I'm not trying to be, I hope this doesn't come across rude, but if you wanna be on a good weight program, start praying for your kids. When you agonize before God and food doesn't mean as much to you as their safety and their living for God. We've got so much to pray about, my wife and I, right now, with these kids of ours and our kids-in-laws, and with our 14 grandkids, and we love them. They're all in the ministry, love them so much. Serving God's such a privilege. But you know how the devil would like to destroy every one of their lives? Every single one. Now, I'd hope that maybe, I don't know if you ever find out in heaven, I would help a nana, a grandmother, and a papa, a grandfather. I hope that we were a resister of wickedness for our kids. Tonight, I look in closing to my outline. I want us to see in James 4, we resist number one, the devil. This week, let's resist them. Let's resist the devil. That, that is, resist to oppose, to stand against them. Secondly, and I will have three points, I'm already in the second one. Not only do we, reckon, we resist the devil, but we recognize the devil. We read about it, 2 Corinthians 2, 11. We are not ignorant of his devices, his traps. Where he traps you, I don't understand how you can't see that's a trap. But where he traps me, you're going to say, Pastor, why can't you see that is a trap for you? Why can't you understand? That's where the devil's trying to trap you, Brother Trevor. He sets traps for every one of us. His devices, the wiles, the cunning ways of the devil. He just has a way of doing it. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. So tonight we're going to, number one, resist the devil this week. Stand up against him. He is a defeated foe. Resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Resist him. He's gonna come back, but fight against him. Get out of here, devil. Resist him. And then secondly, recognize the wiles, the cunning ways. I know all of us are proud. All of us are proud. Some of us, through great humility, we're proud. Some of us, about, look who I am. But in life, you will destroy your life because God resisted the proud. So now you've got the devil saying how important you are, how good you are, how favorable, how how you're so talented in all these things, and the devil's telling you that, and your flesh is telling you that, and God's resisting you now because he resists pride. You're going to have a losing battle, friend. That's why we humble ourselves on the mighty hand of Almighty God. Thirdly, and I'm done. Wow, this is a fast message. Thirdly has twenty seven points. <laughs> I want you to remember His power, the devil's power. Let me give you some words in Scripture that deal with the letter H. Think of His home where He resides. 1 John 5, 19. The whole world lieth in the hand of the wicked one. God is allowing Satan and the forces of evil and even God's people to be in control of this world today. It was a fun song in the 50s. They made popular. He's got the whole, speaking of God, The whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole, speaking of Jesus, world in his hand. He's got the whole wide world in his hand. He's got me and you, brother, in his hand. But that is not biblically true. Because God has released this world to Adam. He gave him to have dominion over the earth. And Adam gave it to the Satan himself. Don't blame this mess on God. Because man's got into this. The devil's got into it. And that's why in Revelation chapter 5, chapter 4, Revelation, the rapture, chapter 5, they're going to look, who owns this earth? And they searched and they look, who had the, Ha, who had the, the keys to the seal, to break the seal, to find ownership of this earth. And they look after this. I beheld him by the way. All power. He is given the authority. Jesus owns planet earth. He's going to take it back. And that's why his wrath could be poured out on this earth because he owns it. Chapter 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation. With the 21 judgments. With the Armageddon with the bloodshed and the warfare and the starvation and the famine that's going to ensue, with worldwide government, worldwide religion, worldwide currency. And God's going to come in and be victorious over all of that at the Battle of Armageddon. I see His power, His home. He's in control of this world. I see His hindrances. And my Bible says in You don't need to turn there for the sake of time, but I'll turn there to 2 Thessalonians in chapter number 2. And the Bible says in verse number 8, and now that wicked one shall be revealed the consuming spirit of his mouth, even him who's coming after the working of Satan with all powers and lying wonders with deceivableness. He will hinder you and he'll hinder me with this home of his, this world. And with his hindrances, and that's what the word is here, his deceivableness. He'll deceive you. Right. You have the right to, don't, don't, you don't have to listen to that Bible. You don't have to listen to that preacher. You don't have to listen to fundamentalism. You don't have to listen. That's all controlling. That's all, and you go ahead and listen to all that. And would you watch with me the results? I would never do it. But I wish I could write the book What I know that you don't know, that you don't think I know. I wish I could write the books of the suicides and of the deaths and of the addictions and the rebellion against God, against Church and against my mother and dad and against. uh, I wish you knew the whole story. And you think you're going to get away with submitting yourself to the devil? You think you're getting away to the world, the flesh, the devil, without consequences? There is always consequences. And I've never watched someone rebel against God without consequences. You get mad at me as you want, mad at God, mad at your mother, mad at your dad mad at the church, mad at the Christian school, mad at the college, mad at America. You can go ahead and get all that vetted out you want, but I'm going to tell you something. That's the devil's devices. He is out to deceive you. His home, his hindrances, his hurt. My Bible says in 1 Corinthians that Paul says, there is a, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Satan wants to hurt you. The Bible declares that Satan has the ability to touch your body. I don't know with some things in my life, it was God that touched my body or Satan or my eating habits. But I believe God allowed Satan 40 years ago to give me a thorn in the flesh. It's a messenger from Satan. I really truly believe it is. And may I tell you this? But God says in the next verse, my grace is sufficient. Amen. Paul said, most gladly, I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Satan meant it for evil. But God can take the devices and the hurts of the devil and turn them into good. I think of the hardness in Acts 26, 18. Brother Spillman, this is for you to open the eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the power of God. And that's not only for the missionary, but that's for the folks that live in America. That's our mission. I see the harm that he can do. Such a one was delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Which one? The one that was not forgiven by the church. No, I'm not saying cover crimes. You absolutely have to deal with crimes. But I am saying, friend, child of God, when you've been wronged and offended and hurt or something, most of the time it's over money. You're gonna have to get over it. Don't carry that to your grave. But I lost money. Well, maybe if you listen to counsel, you wouldn't have done what you did. I see the hoax. First Timothy five fifteen. Some are already turned aside after Satan. Preacher Still, Spellman, that, that, that bothers me. Bothers you too. I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching this next generation. They're giving into everything the music, the services, the praise teams, the rock, the dress, the philosophy. Oh, how we need a generation of young men that'll be soldiers of Jesus Christ. Yes. Thus saith the Lord. I mean, like John the Baptist, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, that'll stand up and say, no, not under my watch. We're not going to do this. We just caved there. I, I don't know. Most churches, nothing's worldly, Brother Poussin. Nothing's worldly. No, nothing's fleshly. Nothing's, well, sometimes the devil fights us. I'm, I'm wondering, what do what, what you, the church is the answer. And we water it down, because I don't, I don't want to be confrontational. Tell John the Baptist as his head's being severed from his body. Tell Peter who was crucified upside down. Tell Thomas, wasn't he the one that was drugged through the city? As they flayed his body open. Tell all the disciples that died cruel crucifixion deaths tell peter who said i'm not worthy to die like my lord and he says hang me upside down on that cross sometimes i have to be very careful i'm praying because i'm praying for the change going on in our churches and it's not like once a year i hear of a change or once a quarter or once a month or sometimes not even once a week but this past week several they just decided to change and publicly, we're no longer Bible-believing, independent, fundamental, well, we believe the Bible, but we don't believe the way those fundamentalists do. And they think this is some new cult. This is way it used to be in even old Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, Baptist churches, independent Baptists, fundamental Baptists, Southern Baptists, Northern Baptists, American Baptists, free will. We used to believe in something. We're so cowardly. And look at what's happening in America because the spiritual temperature of America is measured in the house of God. I see the heartache. Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2:11 lest Satan should get the advantage. He always brings heartache. The devil always brings heartache. I see the hate of the devil. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, is a reward and walketh about seeking whom he devour. Satan wants to eat you alive. He hates you. Doesn't care if he hurts you. The hesitation, by that I mean, he always creates doubt. Hath God said? He starts that in Genesis chapter 3. God really say that? Tonight, he attacks everything. So let's resist him. Let's recognize the devil. Let's remember his power. In closing, would you turn with me to Revelation chapter 20, please? It's been so enjoyable to preach the word of God this morning, tonight, to you. You're a great church, great listeners. Let's not cave to the devil so easily. He's gonna fight you this week He's going to look where you're weak and he'll attack you there. He'll fight you there. He'll fight me there. He'll try every tactic, every cunning way, the wiles of the devil. But I want you to read Revelation chapter 20. And I wonder if you could read verse 2 and verse 3. I mentioned this verse this morning. Ready, begin. And he laid hold on the dragon... Would you read verse 10, please? Because he wants one more opportunity. God's going to give him one last opportunity to try to deceive some more because he's the great deceiver. Would you read verse 10? Ready, begin. And the devil... See, he is a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe. We wouldn't have to give in or have to resist him. We have to fight. I believe my wife and I both can say we fight for our marriage. We fight for our kids. We fight for this church. We fight for our country. We fight for the cause of Christ. Those that are going out, so do you. We're not the only ones fighting. But we have to fight the devil. He's out to get us. We could go devil and demons. I don't preach about demons. Probably should. I've never told my wife any illustrations of demons. The supernatural strength I've seen with a demon-possessed person. I've never told the church this. But demons are real. And if we're not careful, we give way to demonic activity. That's what drugs does. You think you can handle it? Then tell someone not to get a fix for 24 hours. No, it handles you. You don't handle it. But then Satan begins through demonic activity to affect the mind, and the mind cannot reason, and the mind lies and cheats and steals. Let's say no to the devil this week. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber.